Welcome to Continuum, a podcast dedicated to your health. We'll introduce you to individuals throughout the healthcare world, from patients to providers, with a focus on inspiration and education. In this episode, Mandy Bodily Bartram and Darla Purdue join us to discuss the recent coronavirus outbreak. Mandy is the Vice President of Infection Prevention at Vibra Healthcare, and Darla is Vibra's Chief Clinical Officer. Mandy and Darla are on the forefront of protecting the patients and staff in Vibra's hospitals from the virus. They explain what the coronavirus is, how it is transmitted, and what can be done to protect yourself and your loved ones. Uh, so, uh, welcome everybody. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news at all, uh, you have certainly heard of the coronavirus. And today we wanted to address some of the common questions surrounding coronavirus. And with me today, uh, I have uh, Mandy Bodily Bartram, DNP, MPH, RN, CIC, FAPIC. I'm not trying to be awful at a spelling bee. Those are Mandy's credentials. And uh, basically, Mandy looks after uh, infection control. Uh, Mandy, what is your official title? My official title is Vice President of Infection Prevention. Fantastic. Thank you. And then I also have uh, the pleasure uh, in studio, I have Darla Perdue, uh, MS. NRN, and she is our chief clinical officer for all Vibra hospitals. And uh, between her and uh, Mandy, we're going to get to the, uh, the bottom of what's going on with coronavirus. And I mean, and I, I, again, I really appreciate both of you taking the time. You're always really busy. Uh, and these days, you're extra busy. And um, well, let's just crack right into it. What is a coronavirus? Yeah, so uh, this is Mandy. So coronaviruses are really just viruses that we have found that affect humans and animals. And coronavirus, the name of the coronavirus, is actually based on the structure. So if you're looking at it through a microscope, it looks like there's little crowns on their surface. So that's why it's named the coronavirus. And according to CDC, human coronaviruses were identified in the 1960s. And there are several coronavirus types that affect humans. There's about seven or eight. Um, and you may recall SARS or MERS. Sure, yeah. And those are also coronaviruses uh, that uh, have affected humans. There's way more to it already than I thought there would be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and so I heard, I heard a rumor that the, the, the virus originated from folks eating odd things like bats and things like that is that is i mean it, the internet is a fun place um so <laughs> so that so where where did this originate um so you know coronaviruses in general it's a large family of viruses and they're common in people and different species of animals like if you looked at our mers we saw a correlation with camels we looked um sometimes there's cattle cats bats this one it looks like it has a um, origin in, in bats. Um, oh, so okay. the, the sequences are similar um, in the U.S. as the ones that China is showing. So it does show that there's, it's probably related to an animal reservoir and more than likely is related to bats in origin. Okay. So there's 
the internet doesn't always lie. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what. Well, I, well okay. that's not based on eating a bat. Oh, okay. So Ozzy is safe. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ozzy is safe. There is no eating of the bat. It's it's related to droplets of of bat excrement. Those uh, types of things. Okay. Oh. Oh, that's it. Gets gnarly pretty quick. Okay. So so Darla, you know, moving on. I mean, what is this caused by? Like, what? I mean, is it literally just somebody decided one day that it'd be a good idea to try a bat dropping and now we have chaos or you know <laughs> no um it is it's it's caused from an environmental process i see so people can pick it up through the environment because of hy- hygienically people mm. touch things all the time oh, yeah they touch their face and from an exposure if they picked something up on their hands and they didn't wash their hands appropriately it can then if they touch their face that's how things get spread similar to just a flu a cough a cold those are the same kind of processes okay so so it's obviously airborne um i heard also again just you can't exist right now without getting information, oh, whether sure. whether it's Absolutely. legitimate or not. And I think that's why we're here today, right. too, is to really clarify some of these things. Yes. So um, I, I heard that it can live on surfaces, and I also heard that it can live up to nine days. Can we validate this uh, on its own? I mean, it, you know, does it need no. a host? you know, coronavirus can live on surfaces. The World Health Organization, if you go and look at their information, they're showing that it can live on surfaces for hours up to days. So it really depends on the environment okay. um, that it's in, you know, whether uh, it can stay alive for that long. It's just like anything else. If it's uh, there may be environmental factors. But the big thing is keeping your surfaces clean. So yeah. if we are um, cleaning at home or surfaces, um and in the hospital setting, of course, we're really looking at uh, cleaning those our items and cleaning our high-touch surfaces regularly to uh, to reduce bacteria, including coronavirus, but all sorts of things that live in the hospital setting. Okay, Correct. cool. So one of the things that I want to touch base too is is on the high-touch surfaces. The high-touch surface really is related to door handles. Something as simple as the bathroom yeah. door handle. Yeah. And you know, people don't really realize that touching a door handle, how many people touch a door handle in a day? That's considered a high-touch surface. Yeah. So when you hear about high-touch surfaces being really focused on at a hospital level, it really is something they you should be focusing on in your own homes as well. Right. So your countertops, your anything related to something that you're going to open and close frequently, your cabinet door handles, yeah. you know, your refrigerator handle, your stove handle, those are all things that you do all day long in your day and you're not thinking, about, you're it. Not thinking uh-huh. about it. And how often are you washing your hands before you touch these items? So that's really the process of what we're really focusing on today is, A, learning what it's about. The media has created quite the 
um, as it does hysteria unfortunately and really providing just the simplistic view of if you wash your hands if you focus on the cleanliness of your environment you're going to reduce your possibility of being exposed to any infection sure yeah significantly yeah yeah uh so speaking of the media yes uh we hear buzzwords like plague pandemic uh you know uh, mutate uh, all these things that (laughs) yes keep keep those advertisement dollars coming in for those wonderful networks uh yeah it's awesome uh so let's just start with plague is this what how does this rank uh, again, something like that. I mean, we're familiar with the dark ages and Europe and all that. Yes. I mean, are we are we there? Are we headed there? So, I mean, as far as, um, you know, we, we throw out words like pandemic, we're definitely in an outbreak situation. Um, I think maybe on a verge of a pandemic, um, you know, but I think, as Darla pointed out, um, you know, these regular infection prevention measures will help. Um, as far as mutation goes, um, the World Health Organization did a report on coronavirus or COVID-19, and it showed they looked at an analysis of strains from December 2019 to mid-February. And there's not really showing significant mutation. Um, They showed that most strains that were tested were 99.9% alike. So it's not to say that the virus could not mutate, but currently we're not seeing that. Um, So I would definitely say that this virus, you know, it's something to be, um, be cautious about, but not necessarily to, um, get too panicked about you know we've got to we've got to be cautious we've got to be doing our infection prevention measures that we should be doing all the time um, to prevent spread of infection so i want to be careful not to nerd out on viruses too much but this whole like you gave a to me kind of a short window for measuring whether a virus will mutate or not are there other viruses out there that that like mutate aggressively uh that what was what was that it was like two and a half months i think you gave as a window for measurement Uh yeah i mean and and keep in mind this virus has only been at least identified for maybe just a little bit longer than that period of time and certainly there are viruses that um that do mutate we see that with um hiv and and certain other viruses so it's not to say again that it could not mutate um and and there is that possibility so um it's just like the the flu um those strains are maybe not mutating but they're different every year so it's uh it is something that we just need to be aware of and um cdc will is obviously doing a, a pretty good job of like trying to monitor um what's coming into them as far as testing and there's still a lot of unknowns about the coronavirus just because it is such a novel uh, virus that we are seeing. Uh, right. So, so, so let's talk about what we do know. Symptoms. What, what are we looking for? How do, if I, 
if I have coronavirus, how do I know I have coronavirus? Yeah, so the main symptoms that, um, that CDC is telling the general public to be looking out for are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. And they generally start um, mild and may, pro- may progress. Um, and this is this virus is spread through through we believe it's spread through droplets. Uh, so you know it's kind of the same way the flu is spread, not like tuberculosis, which is airborne. But these droplets are excreted when like someone coughs or sneezes, and that can go as far as six feet potentially. So that's something to keep in mind. Is like social distancing is going to be an important piece. And um, those droplets, once they come out, then you could either breathe them in or they can fall onto a surface. Sure. So, uh, so those are the things to be looking for. And once somebody's exposed, uh, you may start seeing, you could potentially start seeing symptoms at about two days after, mm. and then up to 14 or potentially more. I've seen some reports that people have still shown the virus uh, even after the 14-day period, okay. but again, we're still learning more about how long the novel coronavirus is. Now, it, relative to like the common flu, and, and understood that every case is different and people's perception of pain and discomfort are very, uh, but let's compare this to the flu. I mean, is it similar in, in flavor? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or, or, or we, we, you really kind of know, like, no, this is not influenza. This is something else. So, I mean, you think about the general signs that they're saying are coronavirus, right? Fever, cough, shortness of breath. Those are flu-like illness right. kind of symptoms. So it's, it is very similar. And we're in, we're still in flu season. Sure. So, uh, at the tail end, and hopefully we'll be seeing that dissipate, but, it is, you know, when you're talking about just general symptoms, I would say uh, they're, they're very similar to the flu, um, although it does last longer, obviously, for how long that you can shed that virus. Okay. Uh, and the thing that is different about this is that the current estimates for death rate put the coronavirus at, at about 2% which is more than our known death rate for the flu, which you could see anywhere from like 0.1 to 0.6%. Wow, yeah. So it is, it is higher. Um, so there, there are risks, and most of the people that are at the highest risks would be those who have compromised immune systems or those who are older, um, older populations are going to be at uh, higher risk from complications from COVID-19, which could to, you know, mortality. Sure. Now, now uh, you know, older population, higher risk, younger population. Does it, does it vary at all for, for kids with this, or are they in the same boat as all of us, you know, from a general perspective? So, the data on this is kind of quite interesting, actually. So, hmm. uh, CDC says that children are not more susceptible, and in fact, most of the cases that we've identified of this COVID-19 has occurred in adults. Um, I've seen some news reports from some physicians who 
even believe that perhaps children can have such mild cases that they're kind of carriers and can be the ones spreading it. I don't know if we have enough information to, you know, stamp that with saying that's absolutely true or not. But definitely the data is showing that younger children are not having this virus with severe symptoms right as often so young or old as sure as someone can be that they have coronavirus uh you know what should you do what's what are the steps yeah. to getting getting so, it treated yeah absolutely so if you're experiencing coronavirus symptoms and you're worried so if you're mildly ill stay home it's just like the flu right. we don't no one wants to get your illness yeah. So restrict activities outside your home except for getting medical care. Um, try to avoid going out. And then if you're having a medical appointment, you know, call and tell your doctor that you have these symptoms and that you, you, know, you may be concerned about having the COVID-19 infection. Okay. Okay. And that helps your provider to be able to say, like, come through the back door and we'll put you right in a room and we'll wear the proper personal protective equipment, uh, masks, et cetera, to keep uh, you and their providers safe. Okay. Um, If you're in an area where you have to be around people, wearing a face mask if possible so that, you know, you aren't spreading those droplets around. And just regular cleaning and hand hygiene in your house, you know, making sure that your home is is being cleaned regularly, all those good things that we should be doing anyhow. So let's get a little bit technical, kind of specific to coronavirus. How are they testing for it? Like, what are what are some of the things that they're doing? I don't know if it's worth mentioning. Is it is it is it different than the flu or other things? Like, what's what's involved with the test? So I wouldn't say that I am an expert on all of the microbiology specifics, but their testing is is currently limited a little bit to certain states. CDC has been sending out test kits, and I know there were some snags with that um, initially. And CDC was the first one really in our country to be doing those tests. So testing was somewhat limited. And unfortunately, right now, we don't have a general test that's really available for commercial labs. So you can't just go to your doctor, he swabs you like the flu, right. and then in five minutes, you know whether you have this COVID-19 or not. So it's, um, it's a bit So still it is a boutique. special it's, testing regimen yeah. that has to be done, and it has to be approved by the health department to do uh, those testing, at least for now. And again, more is coming out, so things may change rapidly as yeah. far as the testing protocol. Right. And so, uh, you know, one of the big questions is, is it curable? And I, I think what we've, you've kind of established already is that there, it's just, there's too many unknowns. Did I, did I see today that they're, they're at, uh, they may have something ready to test like a, some kind of, I don't know. Uh, I'll stop there. Yeah. Vaccine. Yeah. I, I swear I saw a headline. <laughs> Yeah, there's but there's a lot there's a, there is a lot of information that's being put out there. Um, at this point, there is nothing defined. Okay. They are looking at a vaccine that's as similar to like a flu vaccine for this particular virus. Okay. And you know, one of the things that we need to continue to stress to everyone is that it is it is a virus. 
it in the the yeah. biggest element of protection is hand hygiene and cough etiquette. Hmm. So if you're going to the grocery store, you get one of those little wipes and you wipe off the handle of the grocery cart. They're available to you. Um, Managing those pieces will eliminate exposure significantly. And life life expectancy, again, this is affecting the older adult, the more vulnerable. The adult that has an immunocompromised system is another individual that is affected. Um, Identifying it, going to the doctor. If you have a fever that is over 101, that's when you're going to seek help. Yeah. Right. Um, If you're having a a cough and the sniffles and it is the season, we are in flu season as well. You're really going to take a look at that. Okay, I I have a fever. Now I have shortness of breath that's getting worse. I need to seek medical attention. So that's kind of how you want to look at this, because you don't want everybody to run to the doctor if they get a cold because then that's not going to help the situation for anyone that truly has a virus that needs medical care and that's what we're trying to do is with this this conversation today is reduce fear because unfortunately that's the big thing that we're fighting up against Mm -hmm. with the media is that you know they're throwing out these numbers and they're giving these statistics and it is a scary time, but mm-hmm. the flu, the general flu, can also cause yeah. death as yeah. well. So it's not, and as Mandy indicated, currently it's estimated that the 2% of the population that has it, this the COVID-19, it's higher than the regular flu. Yeah. But again, it's impacting adults that are older adults and that are adults that are very compromised in their sure. health to begin with. Right. But that said, as we've established, I don't really know anybody that goes around licking shopping carts. <laughs> but if you're in your mid-30s and you have some reason to do that or want to do that, don't, don't, don't do that. You're not just because you're not older. So <laughs> I don't mean to make light just of this. Don't touch I'm your just, face I'm if just, you touch a barking Just turk. because you're, you're young, a younger person, that doesn't, that's just not your green light to just continue on being gross. Uh, so <laughs> Correct. Uh, anyway, well, I, this is pretty comprehensive to me in terms of getting people the facts mm-hmm. in a succinct fashion. I want to thank both of you for taking uh, some time out of your busy day. There are a lot of hospitals that are doing a lot of preparation and precautionary work and education. Um, I, you know, I've been helping them this week with this as well. And uh, so uh, certainly in a hospital environment, the patient population naturally is at risk. Uh, more than others. So uh, needless to say, a lot of work is being done to uh, mitigate any of this, uh, getting its hands on our patients for sure. Um, So with that, um, Mandy, Darla, anything else to add? No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's uh, my pleasure, but 
more more so i'm really happy you guys stopped by to clarify <laughs> some of these things i like i said between just like just being plugged into the media I, getting all kinds of information so yes. getting the straight facts couldn't ask for two better people to come and and really you know tell it how it is so uh again thank you very much and with that till next time thank you thank you Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Our guests today were Mandy Bodley Bartram and Darla Perdue. To learn more about the coronavirus, check out the show notes on the Continuum blog at vibrahealthcare.com slash blog. If you enjoyed our conversation with Mandy and Darla, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes as they're released.